Oh, bloody kids. Oh, hello, David. How are you? Oh, Rob, thank God you're here. Why is that? I've just been traumatised by watching the latest episode of Class. Have you seen it as well? I have indeed. I watched it last night, actually. Oh, what a coincidence. Fancy that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you say traumatised, so I'm thinking this might be a, a bit of a different episode to normal. Oh, well, I think, I think it was, don't you? I do. I think... Uh... Well, let's get straight into it. I guess this is an episode called Detained, and I think it was the the cheap episode of the series. This was set in a room, basically, for 99% of the whole thing. Yeah, look, and and that's good. I think some of the best episodes of television in a variety of series are the ones where it's the main cast set in, uh, just just stuck in a room. You think of Red Dwarf episodes like Marooned, um, episodes of uh, Black Adder Goes Forth like Goodbye. Those can be really, really great drama pieces. And I think this was a really good drama piece, I think. Mm. It had massive highs. It had a few uh, problems. Mm. I'm still I'm still trying to grapple with what I think of this one, Rob. What, what do you think? How do you feel right now? Well, I, I concur that, you know, good television can sometimes be set in one room. Uh, there are plays, stage plays as well, that are set basically in one room with one or two people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I was thinking, and you might be able to, to help me out on this, I'm sure there is a, a Babylon 5 Lost Tales where it's just two guys in a room talking for most of it. I don't think they made many Lost Tales. They might have only even made one of them. But um, part of it, I think, was Sheridan and maybe an alien sitting in a room just talking or something. That, that rings a bell, but um, the Lost Tales are things that I, I, I've watched once ever, and that was a long time ago, so I couldn't be sure. But while we're on the topic of antecedents, uh, I said jokingly at the end of our last episode that I'd seen this episode of Dawson's Creek. Mm. Now, I went and looked it up this morning, and there's an episode of Dawson's Creek, episode seven, which is called Detention. <laughs> right. And just, just let me read the two-sentence um, description on Wikipedia to you. Dawson, Pacey, Joey and Jen all wind up spending Saturday in detention at Capeside High under the supervision of Miss Tringle, the school librarian. The day takes on a breakfast club type air as Ag- Abby Morgan, the school troublemaker, stirs the pot by initiating a telling game of truth or dare to break up the monotony of the day. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar to you? Sounds very familiar. You called it last time. Yeah. So, um, I still don't know what you thought of this episode. <laughs> Maybe I'm avoiding making a call. Look, I, I I agree that there were some really good moments in it. There were some really strange moments in it. Being based in this one room, it, it was kind of... I don't want to say it was boring me at times. And people will see when I get to my score at the end that, you know, I, I thought in the end it was quite okay. But it was a it was a different sort of episode. Maybe one that even though I was anticipating it and sort of knowing what was going to happen, I mean, we talked about it last time. We said, oh, look, there's a rock. You pick up the rock and make you tell the truth. We knew what was going to happen, but it still kind of caught me by surprise a bit. And, you know, there were times where I was looking at my iPad, I was looking away at the cat, and I wasn't as engrossed. It was like I could sort of tell what was happening and each person was going to have have their turn at confessing something. And we sort of knew what they'd confess. Tanya would say, oh, I'm younger than you and you all hate me. And Ram and April, well, that was no surprise that one's more into the other than the other. Uh, No surprise that Mateus loves Charlie. You could sort of paint it by the numbers as you were watching it. So it wasn't as dynamic, as interesting as maybe past episodes have been for me. How's that for a start? That's that's not a bad start, actually, because a lot of that resonates with me. 
let me say I give this episode huge credit for again being a different type of story both from what we get a lot in this sort of science fiction and from what we've had in the series so far I come back again and again to my greatest fear for this series being it would be CGI monster of the week or CGI alien of the week it has absolutely blown that out of the water it's done so again this time and I think it's it's a good different plot and I really like that was it an original plot well no as you say the people locked in a room and there's some sort of uh, device to get them all to arc up mm-hmm. is not an original story but that doesn't matter i also give huge credit to the performances in this one which even when the plot was getting a little bit obvious i was kept in it because of the performance of the main actors so i enjoyed it i liked it i thought it did well mm. there's However, a but, there's a but coming isn't there <laughs> there there is and and i said a few episodes ago that where I start to fall away from a seri- the series or an episode is when the teenage angst is dialed up a little bit higher than it is on average in class. I think I could fairly say that the teenage angst was dialed up higher on this one. Do I really care whether Ram and April have mutual feelings for each other? Not so much. Do I care that Tanya thinks she's younger and you know all of that sort of stuff no not really um she's 14 the others are 17 i don't care what april says that is a big gap and she just needs to get used to it being a big gap sorry tanya stop whinging yeah if you didn't want to do it don't accept the the offer to go up a, a class or two yeah so and, and look i suspect if i was 17 or indeed if i was 14 those things would absolutely resonate with me more mm. so i'm not and again it's exactly like i said about three weeks ago I'm not condemning the episode for being teen angsty. I'm simply saying that those aspects were dialed up again this week. And as somebody who is not an angsty teen, that pulls me back out of it a little bit. But I still thought it was a well-written episode. It was a well-acted episode. It was a different style of episode. I liked the episode. Hmm. I don't know where I'm going to come back to this episode, though, in, say, a year's time. Yeah, it's kind of the sort of episode you want to watch once perhaps and once you know it you know it you don't need to go back to it you know yeah it it resonated with me uh if i refer to the new series of doctor who uh father's day is something i'll compare it to which father's day blew me away the first time i watched it i've never really been able to watch it the same way since it's a real one bang episode and i wonder if this is going to be the same that really once you've sort of got over the well what is going on and what is the plot and what is the twist and what is the rock? Once you kind of know that, is it just four teenagers being angsty in a room? Yeah, I think it is. Because like I was saying, it was sort of, you could colour by numbers as you were watching it. You knew what was going to happen. You were sort of willing it to sort of get to the end because you knew where it was all sort of going. Uh, so yeah, it, it will be harder to watch it a second time. I completely agree. Just be- I'm, I'm just going just gonna to alter one thing you said there, Rob. Mm-hmm. To me, it wasn't so much get to the end. It was get back to the sci-fi, right? Yeah. So I, I wasn't I wasn't wishing for the end because I was enjoying the performances, but as, as some of the angsty stuff going on, look, that that's great. You know, you know, you you like her more than she likes you. That's fine. Get get back to this rock thing. That rock thing's interesting. Well, I'll throw up a very interesting sci-fi um, 
storyline that I was thinking of in, in a moment. I do, do just want to touch on the fact that you were saying, you know, about it not being CGI Monster of the Week. Completely agree. I mean, here the, the enemy was invisible. Uh, you know, there was one scene where they go, something's in here with us, and they all sort of run to the corner as I'm sure a production assistant is flicking the light switch on and off <laughs> over in the corner. And that was the extent yes. of the uh, the monster of the, in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and credit to them for, for performing in that, that way. I mean, it's it's one thing to give a really good performance when Peter Capaldi is performing with you and alongside you. It's a whole other thing to give a good performance when there's an invisible monster. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, even, 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 you know, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi have occasionally, I think, struggled to give performances against a blue screen or a green screen. Mm. So, you know, they've, they've done well. Yeah, I, I could pick up the fear, you know, I, I, I could think back to when I was younger, maybe not their age, but probably younger than they are, and you, you suddenly get that, that prickle up the back of your neck and, ooh, you know, and, and you, you feel quite scared and maybe you run to the corner of the room or dive under the blankets or whatever. I sort of got that sense from, from when they all ran to the corner of the room and huddled together. So it was well done, I, I admit. <laughs> but, uh, okay, this storyline that I was thinking of as I was watching the episode, let me, let me run this past you. They're, they're, they're channeling this prisoner through the, the rock, the lump of uh, meteor or asteroid or whatever the heck it is. And we learn that it's uh, it's someone who's killed many people, and he is locked up with four others. And I thought, hang on, Charlie has the potential to kill many people with the Cabinet of Truth, and he's locked in this room with one, two, three, four others. Is this some sort of weird flash forward to the future where Charlie is the prisoner, and and you know, and I, my mind started going in that direction okay. but i think it may be a little more sci-fi or maybe a little more complex and maybe class was trying to uh, achieve because i don't think that's actually the case but that that's where my mind started going if maybe if i was writing the script that's what would have perhaps happened oh okay no i i didn't go there i must admit that's that's quite a twist um yeah look i, I must admit i i think i clued on that it was probably going to be a prisoner just a few minutes before it was revealed because it did feel very Star Trek The Next Generation at that point. And I thought, if this was Trek, it would be a prisoner. Oh, yeah, okay, this is where they're going. Mm. But it was, it was only literally sort of 30 seconds or a minute before, which, which I think is good when you are reaching conclusions with the plot. I think that's actually a good indication the plot is unfolding nicely. Yeah. There was a funny line in relation to that, which I actually jotted down. April goes, how bad do you have to be to be put in a prison in space? And it's, <laughs> it's meant to be this big, profound line. And I was thinking, oh, well, if you're a spacefaring species, having jails in space would be quite normal, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> you wouldn't have to be particularly bad. It just seemed like a really strange line. Maybe to me as a sci-fi reader, viewer, uh, it just seemed a really odd sort of line. Well, it does come back to that cliche that everything sounds more grand if you put in space at the end of it, doesn't it? You know, hotel <laughs> yeah. in space, prison in space, cat in space, you know. <laughs> anything sounds cooler when it's in space. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, what else have I jotted down here? Just just random notes. I was all over the place with my notes this time. I'm sorry, I'm listeners. I'm glad you were as, were as well, because I, 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 I couldn't... I really struggled to grasp this, this episode. That's, I think, why we've just dived in, but... You've got random notes, I've got random notes. Let's hear some of yours. Okay, random random note. Uh, there are some great funny lines. I always seem to pick up on the funny lines. Uh, Mateus talking about learning English and reading um, Chronicles of Narnia. 
and he says it's it's adventures with goats and witches and, and then he says susan doesn't get to go to heaven because she wears makeup and <laughs> <laughs> and for people who have read Chronicles of Narnia, that, that's actually what happens. Susan becomes a grown-up and becomes interested in, I, I, what does C.S. Lewis say, like makeup and stockings or something or other, and, and that's why she doesn't end up going with the rest of them to, to heaven. Uh, yes, and I must admit, I have vivid memories of reading The Last Battle when I was about 10 and also going, what, what the hell is this all about? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they all died in the train crash and this was all something oh oh my head just exploded you know yeah, yeah I... they, they, they've all died but they're all better off and narnia's heaven and susan's now a bit of a bitch and like <laughs> i just remember being absolutely blown away and baffled by the last battle so that was a really clever reference i thought it resonated for me yeah yeah um and hopefully it would resonate for people in the audience i'm sure people still read those books even uh in this day and age I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. And they'd be the, the, sort of the right age that they maybe would have read it four, five, six years earlier, perhaps. Um, yeah. I, I I must admit, I thought that when Matthias started talking about the Chronicles of Narnia, he was going to make a closet joke, but no, they didn't go there. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Missed opportunity. Yeah, what a shame. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, that's one of my random thoughts. Do you have any random thoughts before I pull out another? Yeah, uh, well, one, the first thing I wrote down is I've got to give kudos to you, Rob. When we watched the very first episode, you said, I'm not quite sure about the intro theme at the moment, but give it six episodes, we'll all be tapping along. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, I watched this one, and as the theme started, I've gone, I really like this theme. This is a cool song. So it <laughs> actually has grown on me. Yeah, yeah. It had that sort of sense at the start, like I, I wasn't sure about it. It was young people music, but I could tell that it probably would become a bit of an earworm uh later on so oh thank you now what have i got here oh i'm skipping forward to the end here all of a sudden do we really want to go that far or do we want to talk about some characters first well well if if we're going to just do a little bit chronologically i'll make comment that the doctor gets a a name check yes yes i've noted that down in my notes on quill um she's not okay not there for long at the start of the episode but ends up saying no one in time and space can think for themselves obviously (laughs) in reference to uh charlie quoting what the doctor would uh, would say yeah so i thought it was interesting that I've, I've heard a few comments on other podcasts noting and perhaps criticizing the idea that this is meant to be a doctor who spin-off that really hasn't actually embraced the doctor who mythology frankly at all mm. so i thought it was interesting that along came a nice name check of the doctor i don't think you can really say that places it firmly back in the doctor who universe but at least they're acknowledging his existence this is a very interesting topic. I was talking about it on a Facebook group recently. It wasn't the Ace uh, Facebook group. Hello, Ace people. Hi, Ace. <laughs> uh, but it was a it was a Doctor Who one, and I I started talking about the topic, and the more I got into it, the more I realised perhaps I don't need Doctor Who in this at all, you know. And maybe even having Capaldi in that first episode was unnecessary. However, does that mean I would have watched it in the first place if there was no Doctor Who link? I agree 100%. In hindsight, I could see the series working perfectly well without the Doctor. The Doctor did give it a nice kick along in the first episode, though, which was useful. But you're right. Would I necessarily have discovered a non-broadcast UK show without the Doctor Who reference? Probably not. Mm. And it's interesting because we're here, we're, we're engaging with it, we're enjoying it on the whole. 
how many other shows maybe have passed us by <laughs> because there's no link or we just don't know about them or whatever? That's quite interesting to think about. Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure there are, there are many. I mean, there's a dozen shows I know that I would like to watch, but they just aren't the hours in the day. Mm. And so I'm sure there are plenty of others I haven't even heard of or I've forgotten about. And if linking it to Doctor Who means that I give it that extra little bit of priority to watch, well, that's not a bad thing, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. The kids in this episode were largely the kids we've known from past episodes, but I want to I want to call out April here. I mean... Well, well before you go there, Rob, mm-hmm. I just want to preface this by saying I, I've written down here in big writing Mind Warp. Ooh. Because one of the big criticisms of... Um, for, the, for those who are listening to this podcast because they like Class 1 and Doctor Who, one of the original stories in Doctor Who from the 80s was Mind Warp, where, as I'm sure many other listeners would know, one of the big flaws that people see in the stories, we don't know whether the Doctor is acting out of character because it's badly written, or he's acting out of character because the Matrix is lying, or he's acting out of character because the Mind Warp is affecting him, and it's very hard to judge his character in that story. Mm. So... Before we get into the character discussion, I've kind of noted here at what points are the characters just showing their angry side and at what point are the characters being manipulated or influenced by the rock and therefore does it make it harder to judge these characteristics in that mind warpy kind of way? My take on that is that I think when they're getting more angry and aggressive they're definitely under the control of the the meteorite and then when it sort of eases off again and they're talking more calmly and they might even apologize to one another you know when i think uh, april says to ram you're being a dickhead why are you being like that and he sits down he's like oh i I don't actually know you know i think though that there might be some sort of residue that after you've just given it to someone with both barrels even though the uh, the control over you has lessened, you still might be inclined, you've still got the thoughts in your head to still maybe throw out a few barbs as well. Yeah, mind you, I was a 17-year-old guy, yes. and I would have thrown out a few pretty nasty barbs, and if you know, somebody said to me a minute later, why do you say that, I would have gone, I don't know. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm a 17-year-old guy, I guess. So I don't know whether that is me reading too much into it. I don't know whether this whole thing is a metaphor for the emotional roller coaster and, and upheavals that is being 17. Mm-hmm. And I have no further I have no further place to take that thought. It's a random thought bubble. You were saying about April. Yes, and you've given me a beautiful segue by talking about metaphors. Because April, my favourite character, um, who I've particularly watched and enjoyed, and so I, I think I've got a bit of a feel for her. I've got a feel for all the characters, truth be told. And now I'm reading the novels even more so. However, April in particular, I'm looking at her, she's wearing double denim, she's wearing a black t-shirt, her jeans are ripped, she's got darker eye makeup than normal, and she's got rock chick hair. Is this a sign that she's changed since the last time we saw her? I thought for a moment when you said double denim and a black t-shirt, you're going to say this is a sign the show has travelled to my high school years. But... <laughs> well, that she's joined ACDC. <laughs> Oh, okay. I was just wondering, yeah, okay. you know, because she's gone through this big ordeal in the previous episode, uh, a huge ordeal, and in the very next episode we see her, she's wearing clothes like I don't think we've seen her wear 
before. She she just looks more than a little different. I mean, it stood out to me straight away. I thought that's a really different look for her. Yeah, and I also wonder, given that let's let's put it out there, sex has played an important role in the plot lines of this series. Mm-hmm. Given what happened between her and Ram in the last storyline, is this also meant to be a bit of her going, well, I'm not a little little girl anymore? Could be. Could be. Although there's been no sign that it was sort of a losing your virginity moment for either of them. I don't think that's really been been said, I think. And particularly the way it was so well choreographed, as you pointed out. That's true. I don't that's think it was their first uh, their first rodeo, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that's a good point as well. Yes, I think that what you're saying about her costuming and attitude is is quite a reasonable conclusion hmm yeah no it's just just something i picked up on well well can we then segue into ram please yeah that fits well because more than any of the other characters i actually got a feeling that a lot of what we saw from ram wasn't so much the influence of the rock but he is just a 17 year old human male who is gone through a lot and he's emotionally quite up and down and probably is a bit pissed off about this whole thing. And he's gone from a life of being star of the football team, you know, any girl in high school he could have popular, all that to suddenly he's got a fake leg, can't have the girl that he really wants. I don't know whether his football game has improved since he got the leg or he's still struggling a bit, but you kind of get this feeling that Ram actually is quite angry and perhaps doesn't feel that these other cast members are as close friends as they all think they are. Yeah, I got the sense his football game maybe is struggling because there was a line along the lines of it's it's a normal leg and someone says, well, isn't isn't that good? He says, well, that's the thing. It's it's a normal leg. It's not a footballer's leg kind of thing. So yeah. I, I think maybe he could be struggling with still playing football. Not that we're having... I don't think we've had flashbacks to him kicking balls around since about episode two. I think that's rapidly disappeared. No, no but I, th- I think that if, if if we were to watch this episode and say everything Ram said was just the, the, the rock making him angry, I think we would have missed the point of the episode. Mm. I think that actually there was genuine anger there that was occasionally embellished by the, the, the prisoner rock creature. But there was an underlying anger there. Yeah, I've jotted down here, my life didn't turn to crap before I hung around with you dorks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's how he, he really, really feels. Speaking of how people really, really feel, how about Mateus? This was probably no surprise. He's afraid of who Charlie is, what he's capable of, and what he can do. It wasn't really a big revelation. No, it wasn't. And I'm still not sure about Mateus as a character. I mean, we've had the discussion about is he part of the main cast or not? And I don't see any reason now why you'd say he wasn't. Oh, oh, can I jump in there? There's a good Ram line about that. When he pointed at Mateus and said, and why do you hang around with us anyway? <laughs> it was almost like, I'm one of the, the main forecast members. Why are you hanging around with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I really noticed in this episode, though, that his character doesn't seem to be quite as well-rounded as that of the others, and, and of, of what we've been told in the main cast, in that, what do we know about him? Well, he's got a Polish background and that occasionally comes across with some lines, I'm a Pole, therefore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Charlie's boyfriend, which is more about Charlie than it is about him. He's there to react to Charlie. 
Speaking yeah, of that's uh, about it. <laughs> speaking of being Polish, it reminded me of another funny line in the episode. See, I, I pick up on all the funny lines when he picks up the meteor because he's the first one to pick it up, and he says, "I'm in Poland," and Ram says, "Poland looks like this." <laughs> looks around the classroom. <laughs> That made me laugh yeah, as well. That did make me laugh. And I have to admit, the one about what's it like to shag an alien or whatever it was, that, that I must admit, I'm sure every teenager who would be in that circumstance would be wondering that question. It was reasonable to put it out there. And I think, I think it's right the show would put something like that out there. Yes. Does um, he have two knobs, I think, was the question. Well, that was the, that was the next line. I thought that was a little <laughs> bit off-colour for me. But, but again, I'm not a teenager, so True. maybe they would have found that hilarious. Uh, yeah, look, Mateus... Um, uh, I don't know. Help me. <laughs> yeah, look, I think it might be... Uh, in past episodes, we've been saying this is the Tanya episode, this is the April episode, and so on. This is the Ram episode. Here, everyone had to have their own little moment, and I guess some of them just were a bit lost in the mix, you know? Uh, they have their moment, you know? They're allotted, I don't know, three or four minutes where they're the main character, but uh, it didn't really come through that well for Mateus because we didn't learn anything really new this time. No, and unfortunately for a relationship that started off being portrayed extremely well, extremely convincingly and extremely bravely in many ways in the first sort of two, three episodes, it now has become a relationship in the last couple of episodes that's spoken rather than shown. Yes. Is is this still the same show that showed those two guys, you know, having sex? Well, you know, stuff like in episode three, not just the actual having sex part, but the fact that Mateus felt so comfortable that when he's kicked out of home, the first place he goes is Charlie's, the way Charlie reacts to that, the way they deal with that, that, that felt like a relationship that we're watching. Watching the last few episodes, the only reason we know that they're in love is because they tell us they are. Good point. Very good point, actually. Yes. So I think that that's that's a bit of a struggle as opposed to April and Ram where we know that they're not in love because of the way they're acting around each other. And even if they hadn't had that, it's, it's like you said, Rob, even if April hadn't said, I don't like you as much as you like me, we knew that because of the way the characters acted around each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so, so. So yeah, to me, I think one relationship has been, been gone in a really interesting direction and being really, really well done. The other one, it hasn't quite so much. Now, whether that's just because the episode hasn't allowed it to, I don't know. But it's a shame, given how how well it started. Yeah. I mean, it could all turn around in the next episode, and April and Ram just seem like good chums, and there's not much relationship at all, and it's a very Charlie and Mateus-heavy story. I don't know. Yeah, look, well, it could be, and we'll get to the next episode in a moment, but mm. I've got a question for you, Rob. Yes? Did you miss Quill? That's interesting. I didn't, on the whole... And when she came back, she was acting quite differently. So I guess maybe now might be a good time to, to talk about her. Well, I'll just say that I did miss her. And although we've been a little bit critical of the Quill character, not, not critical, but felt that she was less well-defined than perhaps some of the others, I felt that without her in the mix, occasionally just puncturing the teenage angst, I actually <laughs> I noticed her absence. Because there were moments there I just thought, gee, I wish there was an adult in here. Mm. You know, imagine if Quill was in there just going, oh, for God's sake, stop that, you stupid kids. <laughs> Maybe it would have broke the tension a little too much. Oh, look, I, I'm sure the episode wouldn't have worked if she'd been there. I, I'm, I don't criticise the writer for that decision at all. Mm. But I found as an older viewer watching it, 
I suddenly missed her when she wasn't there in a way I didn't expect her. So uh, if I've asked you the question, did you miss Quill in this, this episode? And you said no, I said yes. Mm. The next question surely has to be, do we think Quill can hold an episode all of her own? That's interesting. I mean, we know from the next time trailer that she's not on her own. It looks like she's got Dorothea and a um, and another man who I, I don't recognise at all with her. Uh, but I know what you mean. She's obviously the main cast member in the next episode. I think she can, and I think it might be quite interesting because at the end of this episode, when she returns, she is acting very differently. I thought, hmm, this might be a taste of where she goes, obviously, simultaneously to this adventure i think she's off having her own adventure and it may also involve some time travel because obviously she's come back with long hair and at first i thought oh the kids have been gone for ages and they've come back to the school and maybe a year's gone by or something that would be quite interesting and, and weird and very narnia and very narnia but now that i've seen the next time trailer i get the sense that uh, quill's gone off and had an adventure and it's taken a long time because i think she made a reference to, you know, the day I've had, you know, but it felt like a year or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I think she's gone off, her hair's grown long over a period of time and she's come back somehow through time. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're, you're a little bit more confident than I am about her ability to hold an episode. I'm, I would love her to be able to. Mm-hmm. But all we've really seen of Quill so far has been the one-liners, the line that's either funny the line that moves the plot a little bit. We haven't really seen her uh, hold a plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how that happens. And I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm always very wary when you have a, uh, a, a, a cast that is a, um, a troop like this. And when you start to split them off, it doesn't always work. I, I do think this episode missed Quill's presence because she's part of that group dynamic. I wonder if she will work as well without the other cast to bounce off. I'm genuinely quite interested to find out, but but a little bit wary. Yeah, I mean, we have had episodes where it's the April episode, the Ram episode. I guess they've always had the others to bounce off on, off of, even though they are the main character. I guess here Quill will be the main character and she doesn't have the kids, but she will have these other two people at least to bounce off of. Mm. The actress is capable, that's for sure. In fact, a lot of people have said that maybe she's not showing her full chops so far because she is only delivering the the one-liners, which uh, initially were a bit cheesy but have sort of got better over time. So maybe it's her chance to spread her wings. That's why I'm thinking maybe glass half full here. I'm thinking it might be an opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, it's it's a perfectly reasonable thing to think. Um, Time will tell. Absolutely. Now, before we talk too much about this next episode, I just want to touch on Tanya. I found her extremely annoying in this episode. It seems I say that about Tanya all the time. And I know we've spoken about how it's very realistic, perhaps, for someone who's 14 to be annoying and say stupid things and so on. I mean, I felt genuine sympathy for her when she was talking about being younger. And, you know, she was the one who cracked the puzzle, so to speak, of picking up the the meteor and saying, ask me a question, ask me a question, come on, you know. She had worked that out. So she's clever, but she did say some really stupid things at times. And I just, I guess she's meant to be like that, which is why maybe the performance is very good. But as a character, I still can't warm to her. Yeah, that's always a problem in drama, isn't it? Where 
the character is so well written that they are as annoying as they would be in real life. You know, it's why I could never really love something like Keeping Up Appearances because Hyacinth Bouquet is just so well written that she's insufferable and you can't like her. And at the end of half an hour, you wish that she hadn't been in your life. <laughs> I have an auntie like Hyacinth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. She doesn't um, listen. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, but, but you know, yeah, I think that Tandy is written very realistically as a 14-year-old girl. I have absolutely no interest in having a conversation with a 14-year-old girl mm. or listening to a 14-year-old girl talk. Yeah. <laughs> if I could be absolutely brutal and frank about it. Apologies to any 14-year-old girls out there listening who I'm sure are far better than many of their peers because they listen to our show and watch class. Um, absolutely. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, but you, 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 I, hope, I hope you know what I'm saying. I do. I do. Yeah. Very much And so. I think we both felt the same. It's just, yes, she was annoying. And, you know, I always get treated like a little sister. Well, it's because you are a little sister. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure there are kids in the audience who are watching and think she is maybe the most awesome character in each episode and can completely identify with it. And that's that's great. That's what it's yeah. there for. Yeah, look, it is, it is no doubt, I suspect, another example of us as slightly, slightly older people <laughs> watching a show that is aimed for young adults and finding the more young adult aspects don't resonate with us. Mm. and wanting to get back to the sci-fi and the drama. Yeah, very true. That's okay. That's okay. Which leads but us she to... was annoying. She was annoying. <laughs> Which leads us to Charlie. We've spoken about Charlie a bit in relation to Mateus, but uh, individually being confined in a, in, a, in a room is a really interesting phobia for the show to, to tackle because although it was part of the plot and it's part of his character, I think it is a phobia that maybe some of the kids in the audience might have. Uh, so it was interesting that that sort of came up in a in a non-preachy, non-message sort of way. It was just an issue that he has that we would have had no idea he would have this issue. You know, mm, you, you think yeah. of print, young princes, they've got no worries in the world. But I guess even as we've seen in real life, Prince Harry and, and Prince William talk about mental health and, and so on for their charities. Uh, these things affect everybody. So I thought it was just a, quite an interesting thing for him to be really worried about being in that room to the extent where April had to unlock the door and that made him feel a bit better that he wasn't locked in. Charlie Charlie got a lot of good stuff out of this episode. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect of his character. I enjoyed him trying to describe to the others what it's like to be a prince and have to live a life that seems fame and glamour and all the rest of that, but he's actually not. And... If I can go off on a little tangent here, uh, I used to live in one of the inner, inner suburbs of Melbourne in South Yarra on an apartment on the top floor. And Justin Bieber stayed in the hotel next door on the same floor. So I actually for three days got to see the Justin Bieber circus <laughs> close, close up. Um, I actually walked past him when he arrived and I thought, is that Justin Bieber really? And when I got back from my movie two hours later and there were thousands of teenage girls outside my apartment, I suspected it wasn't for me and it was Justin Bieber. <laughs> But but to to make the serious point at that point when I when I finally got to sleep at two two o'clock that morning because there were thousands of teenage girls singing and cheering outside his hotel and I thought this is annoying me for one night this guy lives with this every single night he can't go outside the hotel without being mobbed he can't you know you know and I really just got this quick impression of 
how much of a bubble it really must be and how horrible that must be at times. Mm, yeah. And, and, and when Charlie sort of was talking about, well, I lived in this bubble, you know, my closest friend was my speech writer, that resonated with me as a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think Charlie, out of all the the kids in the story, I think had probably the best go of it, just thinking back on his lines and what he got to do and was possibly the most interesting of the characters in this episode. Well, well, well Charlie, Charlie's character was moved on by this plot because he was able to grow, he was able to develop, he was able to change his relationship with the other characters, uh, in some cases for better, uh, perhaps in the case of Mateus, slightly for worse. Hmm. Whereas I couldn't really say any of the other characters were changed or were affected by this. Y- yes, Ram and April got to say some stuff, but it was all stuff they kind of knew inside anyway. It was just being articulated. Same with Tanya. She got to say stuff that frankly wasn't a revelation or a surprise to us or the other characters. Mm. And I don't think she grew because of those revelations. Charlie, however, did grow because of these revelations, I think. It's almost a Charlie episode by default. Yeah, I think so. In a funny sort of way. But let's face it, if you have a sci-fi show where one of your main characters is the alien, are they not just going to get the better end of the plot by virtue of being the more interesting, different character. Yeah, there's more you can do with them, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you have any other random notes on the show before we start to sum up? No, no. We've um, covered in discussion everything I had, so that's good. All right. This is normally where we do the next time, but we kind of covered that a, a moment ago. Quill is off with... Uh, Dorothea and a bloke, and it looks like she gets the uh, the keeper or the arm, as it's called, pulled out of her. I think they were keepers in Babylon Five, weren't they? Uh, uh, yes, that made it right. Yes, <laughs> um, and she comes back, and she's got a scar, and she can shoot a gun. And gosh, what's going to happen next? Interesting that that's going to be the penultimate episode and set up presumably the season finale. Yeah. All right. Uh, for a mark out of ten, is it my turn to go first or yours? Oh, it's definitely your turn it's to go my... first. <laughs> Okay, I am going to give this, and this may surprise you, may even surprise the listeners, 7.5 out of 10. And that's the same mark I gave the first episode, for example. Uh, so I didn't think it was maybe as bad as people are thinking I might have thought it was, uh, but I don't think it was great. It's character-driven. It nails the brief of being set, you know, 99% in one room, so it's quite competent in that respect, and it does what it says on the box, but it's not something fantastic either it's not something i think i can take to a higher score it's not something i think i even particularly want to come back and watch anytime soon um what are your thoughts i'm going to go half a mark higher than you and just stick to an eight i'm doing that because that's what my gut says Mm -hmm. i do like this form of drama and storytelling in the confined space many of my favorite episodes of television are in this format because Charlie is my favourite character and he gets such a good serve, that strengthens it a bit for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I do give notice that I do suspect this is not an episode that time will be kind to. And I'm not sure if I were to be re-watching and re-grading the series in a year's time, my mark would be held up for this one. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Which now leaves us with two episodes to go, the the penultimate one being Quill having her adventure while this adventure was going on, and then the finale, whatever that might be. Yes, and uh, we still don't know if we're getting another season. 
No, no word at all on that. Um, in, in fact, I still really don't have a grasp on how well this is going down, not even in the general public, but in Doctor Who fandom. I, I, I'm not quite sure whether we've embraced it or not as a collective. It's hard to get a read because we often gravitate towards people who are similar to us. Um, and in regards to class, I guess people are, are dissimilar in the fact that a lot of the people I know are saying they don't like it. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, but I'm sure there are fans out there who are liking it. In fact, um, I have seen people who do like it, but it's really, really hard to get a read on in a similar way to uh, Children in Need dropping the Doctor Who trailer for the Christmas episode, and it's all out there. And um, people aren't commenting on that at all. Yeah, what? What? Can, can we just take 30 seconds and talk about that? Because... I remember the times when that would have been big news and would have just flooded my social media mm. feed and flooded my email inbox. And this time, I think I the first I heard of it even happening was your tweet going, why is no one reacting to this? I've gone reacting to what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll be one for us to talk at length on the next episode of the Doctor Who show. But uh, just briefly, I, I completely agree. No one's talking about it. It's like it's about a two-minute clip of, of um, footage from the episode. It yeah, gives you a bit of a taste for it. No one is saying anything. It's not even one of these bizarre, you know, made just for children in need. It's, actu it's an actual preview clip. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. Yeah. I've got an awful feeling people aren't impressed. Yeah. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's about all we can say. Yes. Uh, I, I, look, I watched it, and all the way through, I just kept saying to myself, come on, David, context, context, wait mm. for the context, wait for the context. <laughs> if you folks out there haven't seen what we're talking about, look it up, take a look, especially if you're a Doctor Who fan, of course, and uh, maybe let us know what you thought of that. Please, please do. All right, David, I shall see you next week for class. Yep, until then, all the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there's the bell. The show's over. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show Presents Class, the podcast where Rob and Dave from The Doctor Who Show review the new BBC series Class week by week. If you like what you heard, why not tell a friend? Why not visit our website at www.thedwshow.net or drop us a line. We're on Twitter at The DW Show, facebook.com forward slash The DW Show and email hello at thedwshow.net. Of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or listen to the episodes through the website. The Doctor Who Show and all of the programs on our feed are by fans, for fans, and are also free. That means free of charge and also free of adverts. We'll see you next time.